Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we're sharing our tales of surviving, adventuring, and crafting in the insanely popular Valheim. If you'd like to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can always buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash p-u-y-s-pod. So what's up, Brett? What's got you building a cabin with your sticks this week? <laughs> Ooh, wow. Oh, you were stretching for it for a second there. I was like, did he did he write something down quippy? Is this? Nope, nope. that's off the cuff. Yeah, baby. It's all improv here. Valheim. Valheim. Yeah. I feel like it deserves a bit of a, a Viking. You know, like I know. Throat, I, I'll, be, like... I'll be completely honest. For the intro, I actually tried to Google Viking phrases but they were all now i spent less than two minutes looking right but they were all way too like serious and i don't know if they're really attributed to vikings right. or not yeah, so you'd have to do some research and do it justice i was hoping to find something that would be like the equivalent of like a, a sea shanty you know what i mean mm-hmm, that i mm-hmm. some this is language super popular right now it is it is but all of that's like pirate sea shanty not right. viking yeah, sea not, shanty yeah, really. so it's not i don't know that they were much in the sea shanties no, the only time they meet is when ninjas are also present. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So Valheim uh, came out, I think it's three weeks ago at the time of this recording. Um, early access title in Steam. Nutso levels of popularity. I've already yeah, sold. I didn't. E- so I didn't even know when I heard about it. I didn't know that it was like exploding in popularity. I had heard very randomly. I think I saw like a news article headline i didn't even like read the article but just kind of scrolling through and i was like eh, new survival game be a viking i was like oh that could be kind of cool and then i just immediately went to steam and didn't look at any of the numbers and was like meh looks kind of interesting viking game survival i'm down like you don't have to sell me very hard on that yeah i i mean so i saw it i came across it the same way i came across among us and uh i can't the other one's slipping my mind right now but fall guys uh, yes fall guys thank you um, in the, yeah, I saw, I think a PC gamer article that was like Valheim just set steam sales record or something. And I was like, what? So then I looked at it and I was like, well, if it's that popular, <laughs> I'm usually one to try it. That's your cell. That's your cell bar. <laughs> well, it is. Now that being said, if it was like a, uh, if it was a, the gone home sequel had sold oh, 3 right, million copies, right. I wouldn't be picking that up right away. Um, until but I yeah, started bugging you on that one. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 10 more years and we'll try it. Um, but yeah, just like you, I mean, said survival game, uh, Viking. I, I'm meh on Vikings. I, I, I'm not anti-Viking at all, but I'm not like super energized by right. it. I should be because my grandmother's from Denmark. So I'm technically uh, a at least a quarter Viking, <laughs> right? Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's incredible. We've, I mean, we've. I've played more Valheim than I've worked my day job. And to be clear, I've worked the full time in my day job and was even on call recently Mm -hmm. over a weekend. Still played more Valheim. (laughs) I'm I'm hitting that point where kind of every night I'm like, man, I need to sleep at like eight. Right. And then it's 11, 1130. And yeah, I think I even tried to call it early last night. I was like 930. I'm like, we got to wrap up in a little bit. So let's finish what we're doing and, and go. And finishing what we were doing was still like an hour. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, um, you know, I said this to you off air. 
uh, just in a, in a conver- separate conversation. But this is this is why my Steam library, this and Humble Bundle, is why my Steam library is as big as it is. Because every once in a while, I find an experience like what Valheim offers. And, and again, I, I will say, I think a lot of that does tie into social because you and I have been playing and then we have two other friends that have right. played with us. So it's a, it's definitely, you know, we're all in Discord hanging out and that that definitely drives a lot of it. Like if I was oh, yeah. playing it single player, I there's no way I would have approached the amount of time that I've put into it I in this short of a window. <laughs> that may be. Um, but I get it. I mean, it's definitely the experience. And again, we've kind of talked offline some too, like, a lot of my survival co-op experiences have been pretty bad. Like yeah. I've played with some pretty toxic people. I've been in some situations that just made games not fun. So I, I, I approach most survival games from a single player perspective. And I was mm-hmm. hyped about it. And I was like, I think I'd approached you. And I was like, well, I mean, if you're interested and you were like, yeah, it's breaking records on steam. I think I'm probably interested and was hoping that you would be I, literally that day. I was going to ask you, I was going to tell you, Hey, there's this new survival game. I'm going to get it this weekend. <laughs> right. But then I feel bad because I'm always trying to sell you on games. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should say anything, but I don't want to like not include you. If you would be interested, right. I'd love to have you, but I don't want to annoy you by constantly hawking games at you. And then you brought it up and I was like, oh, well, this was way better because I right. didn't have to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Try to hawk me your games, you know, sell me on your experiences. Here. I know I should be an agent for these companies or something. I need to give me 1%, half a percent, half a percent. Yeah. Anyway, you'll make it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah so it's like, I guess we should probably say for the uninitiated, for those that maybe still yeah. have fence, like what it is, it is a survival sandbox. It's a third person perspective. Um, so I don't know if I, it is survival sandbox, but I, and I'm not trying to, to, to challenge you as much right. as that. I do think that it's, it's really hard to explain it because. Yes, it's survival, but not it, it's not the, the tediousness that is in most yes. survival games is not here. Right. So I just wanted to say that really quickly because it's like, eh, survival, I've played 10 of those. Right, no, it all... breaks the survival mode. Yeah. It, while also kind of breaking the adventure game mode because it's a it's a blurring of the lines. Yeah. In a lot of ways. So to me, what I think, in a, you know, who knows the accuracy of this and whatever, but because to be fair, excuse me, I have not played every survival game, right? right? So there may be experiences out there that are just absolutely wonderful that I don't know. But um, to me, what it seems to represent is like most of the survival games that I've played came out a long time ago in early access and are some of them still in early access, right? Right. Um, and it feels like Valheim is like the the culmination of the last decade of that genre. Cause that genre is pretty new really. Yeah. Um, the culmination of a lot of the lessons from all of those games about what's fun and what's not. And it's, it's like the, the modern, you know, 2021 right, take on, on that. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we're just going to be all over the place if we don't try and pick some format. So let's yeah, up front. We haven't beaten it yet. Yeah. So, we may spoil a couple of things about initial bosses, but by the way, spoiler, there's bosses. Um, but like we haven't beaten it yet, so we don't know what's coming out after that. It is technically early access, right? 
Or oh, is yeah. it real? Yeah. I didn't know if it was released with patches intended or early access with patches intended, but there are uh, several, four or five more additional updates coming for it. But it feels pretty complete. There's very little about the game that I was like, this feels kind of like an early access. They didn't have it in front of a thousand people. They had it in front of five or ten or whatever, you know. like Well, or like, you know, a, a story that we've shared on this pod before, but, you know, we love Terraria, and we've talked about that plenty. Well, several years ago, a game called Starbound was announced, and it was like, yeah, it's like Terraria but space, and we were like, oh, MG, that's what I've always wanted. Terraria except infinite places to do Terraria on instead of one planet. How exciting. And they came out in early access and to their credit, they were like, this is very, very early. So if you don't want to be a part of like, frankly, like somewhat bug testing and like Mm -hmm. trying to being involved in suggesting features and like really helping to make the game, you shouldn't get it now because it's not in any way done. They said it like verbatim like that. They were like, don't buy it right now. (laughs) That's what you want. (laughs) So I say that too, because I don't want to paint, Chucklefish, who makes that as being the bad guy. They're not. But we played it, and it was... They were not wrong. It was a shell of a game. I mean, there was some stuff to it, but... Starbound, where it is now, now it's full release. Oh, it's amazing. It's a huge game that's very well done. Um, Valheim is not that experience. Right, as far as... (laughs) At all. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is is definitely falling in the realm of good guy early launches, or early access launches, like... I'm so, frankly, just kind of, like, struck. Like, I'm I'm a little bit flabbergasted. Like, it's hard to find words at how incredible this is for an early access launch. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And, and it, it, well, and it's a $20 game, right? So it's right. not, it's it's relatively cheap. Um, we joked in our Discord about how, like, maybe the devs are like, maybe we should have asked 30 Right. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. After selling three million some odd copies and I don't know how, like a week or three two. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. But yeah, um, it, it, I, I, I agree with you. It's definitely impressive how much content there is, how well put together it all is, how much of it is already thought out, you know? Um, and frankly, the patches that they say and the updates that they say they're coming with, sounded incredible yep the the best the best early access experience i've ever had is factorio and certainly time will tell if this will play out like that but at least their plans make me excited the same way i was with factorio it's just like wow this is already excellent and you're just going to make it better right that's pretty great (laughs) so um I, i guess let's start by explaining how it plays yeah um so you had mentioned before survival sandbox. So I guess I don't know. Just explain what what the the first in game yeah, like day the, of playing or right. break, week of in game playing. I don't mean yeah 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 real so life week. There is a story to it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a warrior who has died, and you are on your way to Valhalla, and basically. Odin's been fighting with some Titan type characters. I don't. I'm not. I'm really bad. Like. My history is terrible. My Greek history is bad. Viking history is going to be worse. And I, the intro was 60 hours of sleepless nights ago, so I'm a little fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> but he, basically, he's having some trouble with some Titan-type characters. And so he's made this realm called Valheim as kind of a pit stop 
for you to prove that you're worthy of being in the halls of Valhalla by basically going taking care of his stuff for him. And so you get dropped in. You've got some... It kind of explains the whole why don't you know how to make simple things by, like, saying you're just died, you've got some memory loss, but your memory will come back as soon as you interact with something. Like, when you interact with it, you'll remember how it works. And so you get dropped into this uh, uh, kind of plane where you, you're kind of in this big meadow and there's some runic stones. And he's like, hey, these are the titans that you got to kill. Kill them and you can get into Valhalla. No big deal. This little raven character guy. And yeah, you're just kind of thrown in. Like you, you're in a giant meadow. There's some trees. There's some rocks on the ground, and it's kind of your. It's almost. It starts very innocently, like a lot of other sandbox games do, where you can't punch a big tree. You deal zero damage if you punch a big tree. But you can punch a little tree, and there's some branches and rocks on the ground that you could pick up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so that's why, like, again, your survival sandbox moniker for it isn't inaccurate because it shares so much DNA with what people would think of as a classic survival game, including mm-hmm. Minecraft where you're punching trees, right? Like, <laughs> um, but it's, it, it yeah, it, so it, it goes on, I guess. I, I'm just, I, I'm swimming in my head trying to think of. It <laughs> diverges immediately. It demerges at the first chance that you get food. Well, so I guess to, I'll, I'll piggyback off what you were saying to explain that further. So so with the recipes, for example, um, so in a game like Ark, you, the way you find recipes is you level up your character and every character level you get, you have effectively XP or skill points, I guess you could say. And then you use those to purchase crafting recipes. Right. So you're actually kind of limited because you don't have enough to buy every crafting recipe mm-hmm. that's available. So there's a little bit of like trying to pick and choose or whatever. In Minecraft, you never there never is a recipe. You just right. have to make shapes and you know? look in the book. Right now, it, there's a book. There didn't they picked up that mod basically? It used to not even be yes. a book. It was look at the wiki right. and figure out how the game works. Yep. Um, but anyway, so then in um, in Valheim, like you said, you know, like they say, when you pick something up, you'll remember it. And so yeah, you pick up a stone. All of at least the initial stone recipes that mm-hmm. you could get are now available to you. When you pick up a piece of wood, all of the early wood recipes are available to you. Now there are more that come later from other things. Right. As you upgrade your ability to craft, sometimes you have to unlock the stone cutter to remember how to make stone walls. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, I, 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 I don't know if this is too early to talk about it, but I don't know how, I don't know, I can't stop thinking about it, so I'm just going to go. Yeah, go for it. And We're going to bounce the, all over. It's fine. <laughs> my, probably, one of the things that I that I was so excited about it is the way that the, the skill system works. And, and the way the skill system works is whatever you're doing is what you gain XP in. So mm-hmm. if you cut down trees, then you get woodcutting XP. If you swim, you get swim XP. If you jump, you get <laughs> jumping right. XP. There's a jump skill. Um, just about anything you do gets you experience for it. And I think it's really cool that the crafting system is almost kind of the same thing. It's like when you pick up the wood, now that's what you do. You can make wood things. When mm-hmm. you make the stone cutter, now that's what you do. You can make stone cutter things. But if you don't ever do that, you would never know that those recipes yeah. were there. Just like if you never used a sword, which I have not actually on my character, 
I would never have any sword skill, right? Yeah. Like, I would never see what was there. So, I don't know, just to... And that's not unique to Valheim. That's how Skyrim, that's how EverQuest, that's how uh, multiple um, RPG games work with skills. So, that's not, right. Valheim's not new to the game with that. But I've never seen a survival game Do, that works Yeah, that pick way. up that mechanic. Yeah. Right. And I and think it's so interesting. And the rewards are decent, and they're different for every skill. So you have, like, a skills menu that can hover over, and it'll tell you what leveling up that skill will do. Some things, like running, just reduce the stamina cost. There is a stamina meter. Um, but some skills, like jumping, reduce the don't reduce the stamina cost, actually, I don't think, but increases the jump height and jump length. Mm-hmm. So as you level up at jumping, instead of it costing less to jump, it still costs the same, but you jump further or you have a higher vertical jump. And it's really noticeable. Like, it's not terribly noticeable in early game because it's very incremental. But once you get into some of the later zones, like we're kind of in tier three areas right now, all of a sudden it's really noticeable that you can jump further because you're having to hump through little islands in a swamp to avoid water. And you can leap clear over these areas and constantly be on land if you have been working on your jump skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a really, really cool thing. The reason I like it so much is because, it, for me, I think it's an immersion thing where it's like, my character's better at this because I did it. Right. Not because I collected an arbitrary amount of XP points I and then it. went into a tree and then assigned, mm-hmm. now I have these skills. Which, to be clear, I like those RPGs too, so it's yeah. not that I can't do it, but... Yeah, I find this a lot more, yeah, immersive, really, for lack of a better term. Well, and because they pair so well, because it's not just the skill, it's also the tier of item that you have. So they they work in tandem. When you get your first stone axe to cut down a big tree, and you're subsiding on berries and mushrooms as your only food, so you don't have any stamina... And it takes six hits to fell a tree. You have to recharge your bar a couple of times. That's a tiny stamina bar, so it doesn't take long. But then in the later game, you've got better woodcutting skill and a bronze axe. Now you walk up to a tree, and if you've been also leveling your woodcutting skill, like the bronze axe deals extra damage to wood, but then on top of that, if you've leveled your woodcutting skill and if you've leveled your axe skill, then you can take down trees in like one to two hits mm-hmm. and it's just, you feel powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm going to divert again a little bit, but I, I, I love their solution to making wood cutting less tedious, mm-hmm. which is to introduce hilarious physics to the trees, mm-hmm. basically <laughs> where you cut a tree and I do like that it actually, like, the giant trunk falls. Like, that's mm-hmm. not always common. And it doesn't fall and then explode into a bunch of little logs. It just no. falls as a giant log. Yep. And then you cut that, and it splits into two smaller logs. And then when you cut those, those turn into the pieces of wood that explode you can Explode into wood. <laughs> yeah, put in your inventory. Um, but when the trees fall, they can cause damage to you as the player. So mm-hmm. I've been killed by a felled tree that yep. I cut myself before. Um and it can also damage other trees. Yep. So, like, I, the other day I planted a line of trees in a, in a line, basically, like, too wide. And, yeah, I was able to just domino the trees. I mean, it wasn't that perfect. It wasn't like I right, cut one in a hundred Right, but the one fell. damages, like, two or three, 
And yep. then once one or two of those go down and you, you take one axe hit to fell those, yep. then you can start some real cascading that can also be dangerous. Like it, <laughs> Yeah, like you said, it could kill you. It yeah. could kill, especially in the early game. Yes. In the early game, your health is nothing and monsters, like boars are a threat to you and felling a tree. It can also, like the trees can fall on enemies right you, you can we've crushed enemies we've crushed boars and birds and all sorts of like it's just it makes that part of the game fun yeah i agree i actually don't mind uh going in on woodcutting runs i mean mm-hmm. i'm not gonna go do it for two hours right but to go out and fill up a chest with wood isn't that tedious and part of it is because it's it's kind of fun to like try and see how many trees you can get. It's almost like a mini game, right? Without a real clear objective, other than just like get as much get, wood as I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so now I'm going to go even more nuanced on this specific point. And I, this is this is rare for us to actually offer what I would call a tip. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. We don't. to Valheim gamers. <laughs> We're not good enough to offer tips right, usually. Not we're, most of the time. <laughs> we're hashtag Silver League over here, but um, so th- as Brett described, there's you know there's little trees you can punch, and then there's big trees that you need the stone axe. Well, in the very first biome that you find yourself in, there's some trees that are too hard for even your stone axe to cut, mm-hmm. and you've got to advance technology. So we were all just thinking we were kind of stuck. Fortunately, we have the ever-inventive Brett on our team, <laughs> so I don't want to steal your thunder. Please tell the story which of, of how we got the extra hardwood. So, I, we, we, yeah, we were stuck, and we hadn't. I don't know why we hadn't fought the first boss yet, or what was going, or maybe we hadn't. Whatever well, what reason, it, I think what it was is because you need bronze to cut it, mm-hmm. and we didn't we didn't know how to find copper. That's yet. right, and and we were also like I, I saw in the build menu that there were I think there were a couple of items that you unlock that could use it, mm. and so I wanted it yeah. for like comfort items for the house. Which God, there's so much. This episode is gonna be long. People strap <laughs> in. Uh, but so I I was like, well, I I was just wood cutting and saw a tree fall. And it damaged one of these birch trees, which we couldn't cut down with the axe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, genius move. You can roll the logs around once they've been felled. And they still damage. And they still damage. <laughs> and and so I was pushing a log up the hill and then jumping over it to let it roll down the hill into this birch tree. And I really spent like, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 minutes because when I discovered it, I was freaked out. And then I had to, like, roll the log into position because it's not easy to... You can't just pick it up and move it. So you've got to kind of push it from one end and push it from another and then try to push it in the middle up the hill and then jump over it. And then it moves when it hits the tree because it's physics, so it rolls around some and gets out of position. So I, like, pushed this log. I ended up getting into a point where I just pushed it back and forth, like, five or ten feet and <laughs> kept hitting it for, like, two damage. But eventually it fell... And then I had to keep doing that to split the log while the tree I was rolling was taking damage too. Right. So I had to do like get another tree felled and push it in and like whack these trees together. Right. But eventually it broke into the the rare wood that we needed to craft with. Right. Probably like 45 minutes later we had axes. and <laughs> Well, and beyond that, a lot of the recipes want you to have bronze components as well, right. like nails or something. Yeah. So we still couldn't do everything with it, but I just, I love that we like 
technically skipped ahead in the tech tree a little mm-hmm. bit through this completely janky method that's <laughs> born out of the tree mini game yeah inadvertently um but yeah it so i guess you know also to talk more about the survival-esque aspects of it so you have health and you have stamina mm-hmm. technically you can get like like there are status effects you can get like you can be poisoned you can be on fire you can get wet you can get cold um but there's not a hunger meter there's not a sanity meter. There's not. There's not a thirst yeah, meter. Yeah, you cannot die by starvation because you're already dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it's it, again. It but there are. But to be clear, there is still food and there is still cooking and all of those things are very important. But they build it into the game in such a way that it it's just again not as tedious as most other survival games. And even if tedium isn't really what it solves. It's just a different, it's a fresh look at it. It's a fresh take on it where the food that you eat, for example, is providing buffs to you that are essential for your survival. So the food matters a lot, but if you run out of it, you don't just, you, you don't just keel over dead from starving to death. So you can always run around or like if you're in your house, like in your base messing around, you don't have to eat at all if you didn't want to. Right. If there's no danger, you know what I mean? Well, and to be clear, like, the the buffs are important, and the way they approach it is also almost the same way that you would approach class gear. Like, so f- most of your food items provide two major things. An increase to your maximum, or three major things. An increase to your maximum health, an increase to your maximum stamina, and a, an increase to your health recovery rate, or basically health regen. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have any food, you really don't have any health regen. You're not going to get health back. Um, you can also only eat three pieces of food at a time, and they can't be the same food. Yeah, well, let's explain that a little. Like, So it's you've actually got a little thing next to your life meter that's like three icons, and a food item, when you eat it, then shows up there, which is what Brett's describing. So... You can't eat, like, three pieces of raw meat or cooked meat or whatever. It would be a piece of cooked meat and then a vegetable and a fruit or whatever the case is. And then those provide buffs for, I don't know, ten minutes, I guess? It's, I each, it varies. Each food, yeah, it yeah. varies. Each food item varies. Better better items will last longer. Uh, and depending. Some things like honey gives really high health regen, but not a lot of stamina. So it gives, mm-hmm. like, 20 HP five hp per tick or second or whatever regen and then 10 stamina but lasts i don't know a minute Mm. or two minutes or something and at the and it'll so like your max health when you first eat it is the highest it'll go and then over the course of its duration it'll slowly reduce the max stamina max hp it gives you to zero right and then at the halfway mark however long the food lasts at the halfway mark it'll start flashing on the bar and you can replace that food item by eating something else at that time right or eating the same thing again because it will have given you half as much health now so right. if it gives you 20 health and lasts 10 minutes it'll at the 5 minute mark you'll only have 10 health right a bonus so what that means though is that as you play through the game i mean we've played for countless hours your character never gets more baseline max health. I started with 25 health, and after all these hours and all this loot and all these bosses, I'm still at 25 health if I yep. haven't eaten anything. Right. So it's it, it really is critical to eat because if you want to have a reasonable health bar and stamina, right. 
then you, you the food is is basically essential and required because there's not another way to get those things. Um, but again, it's not it's not just the traditional. Well, you have a hunger meter and now you're dying because you're so hungry. So eat five hundred bread or. Or, or it's just a health regen mechanic like Skyrim, mm-hmm. eat 15 shields, cheese wheels on pause. Like, right. You can't do that. In fact, if you've eaten three items and none of them are flashing, you don't get any more. Right. Yeah. There's not a, you can't throw up or something. Uh-huh. You there's can't no way to swap purge. anything out. Yeah. You just, you're good. Um, but I, I also love the, the fact that the different food types, there's not, they struck such a great balance. There's not so many food types that you're overwhelmed with options. Mm -hmm. There's not so few that there's a dominant, like this is just the best food to eat. And every different food item gives different amounts of HP, stamina, and regen, but in a balanced way so that you can tailor your character. So like my character, I play a ranged combat specialist, like a, a ranger. So I'm sneaking, I'm stealthy, I'm in the background using a bow, and I don't need HP. But I need tons of stamina because I've got to be able to lay down DPS constantly by shooting the bow and every shot takes damage or takes stamina. So I want food that is gives me as much stamina and stamina regen as possible. But like your character, you play a lot tankier character. So while stamina is still important to you and all the foods at that at the higher quality still give you higher base stamina but you're also wanting to maximize the foods that are giving you high HP or high regen. Yeah, well, so I, I do want to make a distinction or a clarification that there is no class, right? So there is no, you're right. not pigeonholed into any role. No. Anyone can use anything they want. Um, so you can play however you want. And you're right. I, I think even more than just lending itself to a certain, you know, idea of a class or something, it also just allows you to fight to fight, right? Like, or like... Or Maybe. job to job. If you're in the base and you're defended, but you need to do a load of farming, well, that takes stamina every time you plant stuff. Mm-hmm. So just eat the food that's going to give you a ton of stamina and doesn't have much HP stuff on it because that doesn't matter. You're protected. Right. And like if you were if you were a melee character, but you're using a shield and you're confident in your ability to block or parry, right? you might want more stamina than health because you want to land more of those, right? Whereas if you're maybe a two-handed melee character... Now maybe you care more about health because your mitigation is more challenging to pull right. off because you don't have a shield. Um, but yeah, that was just a piggyback off what you were saying. It's just it, it's cool because it does really allow you to kind of tailor it into your second point, not even just to your fighting style, but just kind of whatever you need to do in the game at that time. Right. And um, yeah, the moment to moment, it's like being able to respec all the time. Right. You're just always able to change and within, you know, not maybe minute to minute because you can't, like you said, we can't change what we're eating once you've already eaten. But depending on what you've eaten, like sometimes it's even though the honey only lasts for like a minute or two, the health regen on it is really high. So it almost never loses its value because even the items that you can craft out of honey, aside from health potions, like... It's beneficial to maybe eat two items of food that last a long time and give a lot of HP and stamina, but then still leave a slot open to constantly refill with honey if you're in intense combat encounters because you can keep your stat your base regen really high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's it, it's that same. Th- th- what we're describing here about this is just the way that the entire game all works together where it's just, it's this constant, like they do such a great job of introducing 
introducing you to the, the beginning content and then stair-stepping it up, you know, into more advanced things, but not to the point you've made, not relegating the early stuff to be just completely obsolete. Um, and, and I also like that, like, the recipes aren't insane to obtain. Right. You know, in, in a game like Ark, which that's probably the survival game I have the most experience in, there are some, you know, there's regular, you can just, you know, go kill a dinosaur and get a piece of meat and cook it and eat that, and that's one thing. But there are more advanced food recipes, but they're drops. Mm-hmm. And and so there's like a, a, a rarity to it, and it's hard to obtain, and it's... And so then, for me, it becomes something that I just don't really care about, because if I can't find it, I, I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time just trying to get this one recipe, you know what right. I mean? Like, there's infinite other things to do that I think are more compelling, so I'll do that. And in this, like it, like we talked about before, once you unlock the cauldron that you know, is the next cooking station past the cooking fire. You just get the recipes that go in the cauldron. <laughs> and maybe well, there's an ingredient that you need. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, 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 no. Keep going. I was going to say, maybe there's an ingredient that goes in there that would unlock more recipes. I don't know. Yeah. But that's like the, the sausages though. don't unlock until you get the entrails. Okay. That's fair. Right. Uh, but so you get some base recipes for any, basically anything that you've already touched that you is an ingredient in that recipe, you get the recipe for, mm-hmm. and then you get more recipes later as you get more stuff. And you've probably right. encountered many of the things that become recipes, even if you can't cook them yet by already being in that biome where you get the next stage of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to kind of piggyback a little off of what you said, which is that none of the, which is so genius to do. The biome that you start in in a lot of games becomes moot once you reach a certain tier, especially yeah. late game. Um, and so far, the biome that we start in is still necessary for a lot of the content that we want to do. A lot of the ingredients, because there's not an exacerbated amount of recipes, there's a lot of the early game ingredients that instead of needing one of, now we need 10 of. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, it doesn't really relegate to making it tedious instead that's actually how you feel your power increase because you're not just moving to the next biome where everything is hard again until you're geared for that biome right you're going back to your starter biome but now you're in gear where the boars even at 25 health i don't know that a boar could kill me because it's dealing like 0.1 damage a charge you know like and I can and I can punch it to death because right. my punches deal that much damage just base now. Right. So it, it really allows you to feel that progression, that power level curve without having some minor enemy that just a lot like you just get to go back and have to farm some of that content depending on what gear you want to make. Now, you may not have to if you're trying to speed through the game or whatever, you may not have to go back for that early game content. But if you're just playing at kind of a standard rate or a casual rate especially you're gonna want to farm some of that early game stuff over and over again uh to get some of the better gear the the early game stuff doesn't stop being useful yeah i mean the truth is is that you know knowing what i know now i mean really not every single thing but a lot of the stuff even from the very beginning of the game you may as well keep it like, you may as well never throw anything away. Like, those raspberries that you stop eating early in the game, they become super valuable just a few hours later right. <laughs> when you unlock more advanced cooking recipes that all require berries. Right. Um, 
but yeah, I just I, I love I love I, I love how that's done, and I, I I it's something I appreciate in MMOs. It's a a, a shift that's happened, where in old MMOs, you know, you you level and and to some extent the older zones do become obsolete. But it does still, so like all the mobs, you know, when you're level 50 in Dark Age of Camelot, all the mobs in all of the pre-50 zones, you can one-shot, and they can't hit you, right? Right. So it does make it so the content's not useful, but it does allow you to feel powerful, right? Because if you go back to anywhere you went, like I remember when I first hit 50 in Dark Age, I went back to a farm that level eight where these ghost pigs killed me over and over and I just massacred them. Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm so powerful now. Like I hate you ghost pig anyway. And so I, but I kind of appreciate that that little bit is there. And in modern MMOs, a lot of the way it's going now is making it like Skyrim where everything scales to you. Right. So at it's all always times. a threat, which the, the reason for that I get because it makes it so the content is still viable. The always, right. Right. You, so you're not just trapped now in the last zone of the game. But I think you're right. It, it, it What it diminishes, though, is it diminishes any feeling of, of power curve. And in an RPG, that's kind of all you that's kind of the whole thing, right, is that you're leveling up to become more powerful and you want to see that expressed somehow. Um, and I think this game does Valheim does an excellent job of kind of solving it both ways because it makes you feel more powerful while not making it all obsolete. And that's right. that's rare. And I, it's just, it's so subtle too, because it's not like the, the mid to late game stuff, not all of it is useful. Like you said, like not all of it do you need infinite of, and none of the recipes are so, I think because we have four people and we've all, even if we're not specialized permanently, we tend to divide out divide and conquer. So one person go chop wood, mm-hmm. one person go on an adventure and try to find berries. We're out of those, right. you know, because there's four of us, there's a lot more consumables that we use, but because there's four of us, we can all tackle them separately. And one person can mine, one person can chop wood, one person can work on the base and one person can find food stuff all and, and then come back and, and everybody will get a little bit of all of it. And then in the end, one person will dump a whole bunch of something down, but like right. it's the recipes aren't so tedious that you need like 800 berries to do a thing. Right. But it's also not zero. And a lot of the things take time. So berries yeah. don't regrow instantly. And the days are not 10 minute days. Yeah. There is an in-game day and night cycle yeah. and it actually tracks every time a new day starts. It says day, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. 50, 100, whatever day of the game, that game world it is. Um, which I thought was cool. Which in single player, and I guess if you really coordinated in multiplayer, sleeping will pass the night, mm. um, which does help progress some of the in-game time and reduce some tedium if you're trying to farm a certain thing. Right. But it, it didn't. It's not so egregious that we ever felt grindy about it. We would get a stockpile of one thing and run out of another, and then it's just time to go get that other thing. Yeah, I mean the other. So you had you had primarily been running the the gardening stuff at our at our shared base there, and I hadn't messed with it at all. And so then the other day I asked you about it, and you explained how it worked. And so then I I planted a garden of stuff, and so I had no idea how long it would take. Mm-hmm. And then we ran out and did some adventure, whatever it was, and probably came back I don't know an hour later, real time hour later or so. 
and yeah, everything was grown. It was yeah. all done, right? So, and I don't know if it literally had just gotten done or if it was, you know, how long it right. took exactly. But either way, to your point, like there's always something else to go do. So as long as you're not just standing there staring at the garden, I don't think. Right. It, well, it, and something else that I actually didn't think if you would have asked me if that was a good game choice, like game design idea, I would have said no. But from a gameplay perspective, I love is that there's not a timer. When you right. when you dump something into a barrel to ferment it into beer or meat or whatever, it doesn't tell you done in 30 minutes. Yeah. It just says fermenting. Now, right. I'm sure there's a set exact time that it'll be done in. Right. But by not giving me a timer, I just go do something else and it'll be done eventually. I'll check on it. Yeah. So something else I will say that so a if anyone who's listening has also played a hundred hours or whatever and they're like uh it's not exactly right or whatever we also have not have done our very best to not look at the wiki right. now there's been a couple of examples where we're like i'm just not clear on what this means so i'm just going to look it up because i don't want to spend 30 minutes well, we tried to do it after we have either attempt exhausted our thoughts on it yes or if we've already acquired the thing or the adjacent thing and just need to know how it works. Right. Yep, exactly. And we just try and look up the one specific thing. Oh man, and then it's hard. Exit the wiki. Yeah, um, it's hard. Well, and again, I mean, yeah, we can't be perfect at it, but, but my point just being, I think that that's also contributed though to the fun of the game because the point you just made is like, I'm sure there is a hard coded time, mm -hmm. right? I'm sure you could look that up and know that and then be like, Hey guys, Let's set a timer for 10 minutes. 18 minutes, yeah. Yeah, but we didn't do that, and that's part of the, again, the immersion of it is that we're we're not trying to min-max it mm -hmm. in that way. Like, we definitely do min-max our time a lot in the game, but it's all our own, our best estimate at what min-max right. is. Right, we're going to set some stuff up. We're going to plant the garden and put some stuff in the barrels to ferment and then go on an adventure, and they'll be done when we get back. Right. So, and, and so then it doesn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered anyway if there was a timer that said 28 minutes remaining. But if there is a timer, I feel like I don't like mechanics where, you know, this happened a lot with like a Clash of Clans type stuff where everything had a timer. You could only had to do so many things in a day or, and a lot of other games would have crafting timers for you set this item to craft and even Crashlands did it where the intent was to get you to go out and adventure but because I knew how, like, five minutes, if I go adventuring, it's going to be probably half an hour before I get back. So I want this before I leave. Right. And so I'm just going to sit around and wait and do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so, like, a lot of the timers are long enough that it's not worth sitting and waiting for, but short enough that it doesn't feel like I'm ever waiting longer than one short adventure to, to get something. Right. Okay, so we've talked about... Well, we've talked about what the, the, the like gathering stuff. We've talked about the health and like buff mechanics that come out of the food and that sort of stuff. So I think we should talk about the 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 house building because mm -hmm. that kind of that's kind of the next step, right? Is you, you collect some wood, you collect yeah, we're some still stone. in the starter zone. Yeah, you, you get some wood, you get a berry, <laughs> right? You get some food. And now you need a chest to put your extra stuff or something, right? Mm -hmm. And so you may as well have a house to put that chest in. Um, but in fact, you kind of need one. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Um, the the building in it, I like a lot 
more than I thought I was going to when I first started with it. Mm-hmm. When you very first start, the snapping feels a little weird, but once you get used to it, it works pretty well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's actually not very hard to erect a structure pretty quickly and even a decent looking one. Right. Um, and if you want to tear it down, minus a few variables that we won't get into because whatever, largely you get all the materials back right. whenever you, you tear something down. Um, yeah, so which mistakes is, don't cost you anything and you can experiment essentially for free. Yeah, or you can also like start with a smaller house and then you can just knock a wall out and expand it mm-hmm. and you didn't lose all of that. You know what I right. mean? Or tear the whole thing down and do a new build and you didn't lose all of it. Um, so yeah, really cool the way it does that. And I think really cool the way that they handle the structure uh, integrity. Yes. So in some games that I've played, like they'll try and do some approximation of like load balancing or something, but I don't know. I'm not a home builder. I don't know what all that means. You know what I mean? So now the game has to have complicated information displays to explain to me how it works, or there's a lot of trial and error or whatever in this. It's based on how many pieces away a piece that you're trying to place is off of the ground. So if I want to place a roof, there can only be like, I think five pieces or four pieces, something like that between the roof and the ground. So if you want to build a tall structure, you can, but you have to start using larger and larger supports or beams or whatever, but not because it makes you balance a balance, a weight distribution, but just because it's based on like how many, how many blocks is this off? Right. One four foot long support beam is better than two, two foot beams. Right. Exactly. One piece away instead of two pieces away. Yeah. So just a really, I'd never considered that as a mechanic for structural integrity. and Well, and it's cool because that gives room to unlock new things to do in building. Because right. you don't start with the ability to get the four-foot beams. They right. require an advanced tier of wood. Yep. And so you start with the items that you can make simple structures with. And then later on, the stone kind of counts as a solid object. Oh, and does it, it? Yeah, so like if you're building vertically with stone... It can just support itself. Huh. Like, I don't know. There's probably a limit, but it can support itself really tall. Right. And so then you can build wood on top of that and have, you know, build a foundation around your house and build a bigger house or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it also has different mechanics where it can't overhang. So it can only overhang by like one or two pieces, but it's not how far to the ground. It's how far to like solid stone or something else like that. Ah. So you can't bridge with it as easily as you can wood. So it works a little bit differently, but it's, uh, yeah, I agree. It's a really interesting mechanic. It doesn't necessarily force you to build a certain way, but it constrains your builds enough so that in the early game, you're not going to build too complex. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you can't. In terms of you can't afford to because it takes so much stamina with the, the level one stone axe and the food you have available that you're not going to cut down enough wood. And you're also not going to be able to make super tall, super huge structures until you get some of the better tier gear. Right, right. And so then another interesting mechanic they have um, that I actually, at first I was like, I don't know if I like this or not, but I, I, I do appreciate it. And that's that whenever you build a structure, 
So there's weather patterns, which I will also say that we've noted. The weather in the game is not just static. In the world, now it's raining. Yeah, in the world, now rain. it's sunny. Right. Mm-hmm. But, so also, we haven't mentioned, the world map is pretty enormous. Um, and it's a lot of, like, small to mid- mid-sized islands, I guess. They're not probably worthy right. of calling continents, but... I don't know. Our starter area may be a continent. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty big. close. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... Uh, well, now I lost my train of thought, sorry. Um, the sheltering mechanic. Yes, thank you. But anyway, so yeah, like, anything you... You, any structure you build has to have a roof tile over it because if it doesn't, when it rains, the water will destroy whatever structure you've built, whether that's a floor, whether that's stairs, whether that's a chest, And a it won't table. completely destroy it at first. It'll deteriorate it yeah. to like 50% health, and from there it'll slowly take damage. And mobs will attack your stuff. Right. <laughs> so at 50% health, it is in danger of dying. And if it's a, if it's a support wall that you've built a roof on and you don't have other support structures connected, you can get that cascading domino effect because in the same way that you can only have a structure six pieces from the ground or whatever, if that bottom piece is knocked out, the rest of them will crumble. Right, right. But I think it's cool because it 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 kind of forced me at least. So you know how I am. Like I like aesthetically pleasing things, but I'm also one who's eager to like just just put something in place and go. Mm-hmm. And so like in Minecraft or in Terraria, eventually I'll build something that I think is cool. But for a long time, I'm just rocking a straight dirt box. Yeah. Just a box. That's just all the same material. And in this game, I probably would have made a house that was a flat box with floors mm-hmm. for the ceiling. Right? right. Cause I would have been like, whatever, just, just go. But you can't because the floor tiles are not roof tiles. Right. <laughs> So it, it kind of forced me to build a house that actually looks kind of like a house instead of just mm-hmm. some weird, not not realistic, you know, realistic isn't the right word, but whatever, uh, structure. And again, it just all adds to the immersion because now when I come back to base, it looks like... A cool base. A, yeah, a building that would be in that world as opposed to something I made because I'm playing a video game. Well, and then on top of that... there's layers of buffs you can get. So sheltering instantly, like if you have a roof over your head, you lose the cold debuff like instantly. If you have a bed and a fire nearby, then you lose the wet debuff goes away really fast. And now you get the rested debuff, which is as long as you stay within buff or sorry, rested buff. Yeah. If you stay within like, I don't know, six tiles or so of, items that are considered resting and you have a roof over your head for like a minute, not even probably like 30 seconds, then depending on the comfort level of your house, which is based on the furniture items that you have in it, you get a buff that increases your stamina and health regen for a number of minutes equal to like five plus the comfort level of your house, which is in the early game. Five minutes is about as much time as you need to adventure because you don't have a lot of health. But in the later game, a 20-minute rested buff from having an awesomely decorated house is something that you can go adventure with. Yeah, well, and it's cool because it gives a purpose to the house. I mean, you could have the items stacked in any way. It doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing. Right. It, it happens to be in our world, but um, but even if it wasn't, like, it's still, it gives you a reason to create a table and a chair. Mm-hmm. It gives you a reason to hang a banner. It gives you a reason to make the deerskin rug and put it on the floor, right? Like 
in or to so upgrade many games. your bed from the straw mattress to the giant, awesome Viking pelt-covered mattress, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's yet another example, very similar to the way the food buffs end up playing out, where they've actually built it in that having a good structure, a good base that has all these different things in it, and spending, you know sometime there i mean i think it's 30 seconds and you you get the buff so it's not like you have to to rest for a long time but it incentivizes you to go back home and check in basically right because the benefit of the rested buff is enormous it's yeah, not it's huge it's not like a five percent increase it's like two and three hundred percent increase in in region rates um well and it, it, i love that none of the things in valheim are outside of maybe combat which we haven't gotten to are there to wreck your day. Like, you're not going to starve to death. You don't have to build a house. Like, but if you do, and you spend the time decorating it, it only rewards you. If right. you cook better food, you only get more health and regen. Yep. If you have cool thing, if you hang a, a deer head on a wall, you get comfort bonus. Like, and so it's just kind of... It rewards you for doing things that you probably kind of want to do anyway. You want to be in a house with trophies on a wall. Mm -hmm. You just don't want to spend the time doing it because you want to go fight enemies and kill bosses. But if you do it, it makes doing those things easier and better to do. Yeah, well, what they've done, I mean, most RPGs build all of the progression into the character and their skills and attributes and then gear. Right. Like, it's all based on... You know, the different gear you have starts to give different bonuses and whatever. And in this, the gear upgrades certainly matter. And there's, you know, not only are there like major tiers where you go from like stone to bronze to iron, but then there's minor upgrades within each of those. There's right, like where four you can tiers. upgrade your stone up to the next level or your iron up to the next level. Right. So you could have a tier one iron axe that's not as good as a tier four iron axe, even though they're both iron axes. Right. Um, but that's it. There's no magical property on the axe. There's no magical property on the headpiece. There's no magical property on the chest. So instead, the progression and, and the power curve is tied into everything. It's tied into the food. It's tied into the to the building. It's it's all part of what you would think of as traditionally the character development. And I've just, I don't think I've ever played anything that does that, at least not well, that I can think of. Uh, the only games that I know of that your house gets better as a mechanic are things kind of like Rogue Legacy, where the house right. is just a visual tied to your skill upgrades or something. Or maybe you add a whole add-on, but it's pre-built and you just click it and add it on. But in this game, it actually encourages you to, the build because the building is easy enough that it's pretty you can get something pretty simple even the simplest thing is aesthetically pleasing is what i'm looking for like you're gonna run out of room your yeah. tiny house can't get to comfort 10 because you can't get enough items inside of it so you'll have to build it bigger which means you'll spend time learning how to build something bigger and better mm -hmm. and then your house has a power level progression where there is a, literally a difference between a mid-tier house and a starter house. And right. that difference is not just aesthetic, that somebody is better builder than you are, but is also mechanical, where you don't have to be a great builder. The snap mechanics make it pretty easy to make something pretty cool. And then inside of that, 
you now have more room because you've expanded your house. You could put more buff gear in it. Now you get a longer rested bonus, and it, it just gives you that snowball effect, power curve, to a structure, which is so... Right. I don't know. It's so unique. It's so cool that the cool building that I made isn't a waste of time. In Minecraft, a castle is awesome, but is a complete waste of time in terms of game progression, right? Yes. But in Valheim, it's not, at least as long as you have one room in that castle that has all of the cool things in it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think it's super interesting how they've managed to pull that off. And and I will say, like you said, Rogue Legacy is a great example of there might be other games where something outside the character is tied to it, but not where it's completely sandbox Lego time where the house looks however you want it to look. Exactly. Or, so here's something that I don't know if, if, if you'd come across or not, um, which you may have from like Reddit or something, just, you know, screenshots. But so our other friend, Nick, who's been playing with us, he also, I mean, he he plays more than either you or I do, even, I think. He has been playing on our shared world together, but we don't have a dedicated server, so we only play when the, the person hosting is hosting it. So Nick will actually go and play on his own private single-player world or whatever. Right, and your character can transfer, so that we haven't yeah. even mentioned that. Right, yeah, the character <laughs> is not tied to the world. So, so yeah, he's able to jump back and forth. Um, but anyway... In his single, so like what we did was we built a big common house and then that's just expanded over time. And there's technically a couple of like yards to it and like a garden that's outside, but it's all basically looks like one building. Right. Well, what Nick actually has, he actually, his actually, his single player base actually looks like a town because he actually has like his house. And then you go out the front door and there's a tent across the, the street, if you will. That's the cooking station. Mm -hmm. And then over to the side of that is a separate area. That's the forge station, but it's not all one connected building. And I was like, that's actually a pretty cool idea or way to do it. And it's so cool that two different players could accomplish the same thing in two totally different ways. As far as the way that the layout and the structure of it is. Right. I mean, I thought about making a place that like, cause our, we try to maximize our space so that your rested buff is maximized by the repair stations. Right. Because the four of us together, we're running bigger adventures where there's, when we all want to go in a combat run, if somebody needs to go repair their gear while other people hold off the front line, they want to maximize the time where they're getting rested buff while they're repairing. Right. But I totally kind of want to make just like, almost like an RP hall right. where, you know, it's just our Viking meeting spot where there's tables and chairs and beer and whatever, you know, we, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no reason that we shouldn't have that. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we talked about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get right on it. Well, on yeah, top of like, the million other tasks we need to do. <laughs> well, that's what's so, what's so fun though. Cause like, you, you know, you just described, you know, we have this, this big common house that's super efficient or whatever. But then our other, our fourth player, Hammaker, who, who came on the show, I don't know, sometime last year and, and talked about games with us, um, he actually just spent the last couple of days building this enormous mage tower mm-hmm. because the game eventually unlocks fast travel portals. And so it's our portal tower. It, yep. And it's super cool looking. Yeah, it's like insane. It's, <laughs> it's this giant octagonal I kind of the the whole reason why I want to go make something is now I have to one up him in building you know like <laughs> that's what has to happen now it's like I can't let that stand we unlocked stone bef- when I made the, I made the house but 
you got to make your tower because we unlocked stone. I didn't have stone, all right? Right, Now right. I'm going to have to go show what I can do with this. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's super It's super cool. But, yeah, the, the building, the crafting, all of it, super neat. Um, so, yeah, I guess we should go to the, the combat. We yeah, haven't talked there's, about we that We still yet. have a couple things to hit. I think combat is a pretty huge part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the game is played in third person, uh, which I actually appreciate over first person. Um I like being able to see my character and maybe it's just the years and years of MMOs. I'm used to that view more. Right. Um, I also like being able to see around me easier. Like I just, I don't know. I, and that's, you know, less immersive perhaps, I guess I actually saw a first person mod that someone made for Valheim on PC game or something. And I was like, eh, not if I got to cut trees. Yeah. I want to be able to see if a boar sneaking up on me from behind, you know? Right. Well, and again, I just kind of like, honestly, I like the animations. I like seeing the character. There's a lot of detail in animations. There is. Um, But yeah, so the combat is interesting because it's more complicated than it would seem maybe at first glance, while at the same time not becoming... A fighting game. <laughs> or an MMO with 200 hotbars. Yes, very true. Um, I mean, basically, you have a left-click primary attack, and then most weapons, you can you can middle-click, and, like, if you're using a one-hander from what I've seen, mostly you, you like, kick with it. Right. Um, although I think maybe with the mace, actually, you do some, like, uppercut swing. I don't know. But anyway, there's, like, a special attack kind of thing. With two-handers, it's some sort of, like, AoE... Or like you've been using a big two-handed hammer. And it Giant does like a hammer. It explodes in a radius. It does like a ground smash. Yeah. yeah. That creates an AOE damage. Um, but anyway, so then but then there's also a block mechanic. So if you just hold it, then it does a, a static block value, which if you're using a shield is decently high. But even if you're just using your bare hands or, or a, just a, a melee weapon, it will block some amount, but it's pretty low. And in, But increased by your block skill. Right, right, yeah, so exactly. You can block late mid game. Barehanded blocking is actually kind of okay, at least against <laughs> lower level enemies. Um, but then it also has a parry mechanic. So if you're able to time the block so that you block right when the swing is connecting from the enemy, then you'll actually parry them, which blocks a multiplier higher of damage. Mm-hmm. So you can block way more and stuns or staggers the enemy. Which opens them up so, A, they're not attacking anymore, and you can land crit hits on them. Yeah, like any hit when an enemy is staggered is kind of automatically a critical. Right. Um, so, yeah, just a and, and I don't know if I mentioned the dodge roll, but so you can also yep. block and then hit a button, and then you'll dodge roll. So it actually ends up being a lot more of an action kind of combat than I would expect from a survival game. I mean, right, most and survival at first, games... again, it's one of those things where in the first zone you're not worried about dodge rolling a boar. Right. But when you're up against, you know, your first or second boss, maybe the first, we were over geared for the first boss. So we took it down super easy, but the second one started to be a challenge. And the third one, we were like, Oh, we have to work on combat. Right. Because we're starting to get wrecked even in high level gear because we're not paying attention to how the the combat mechanics work. Right. Yeah, I, I might be skipping a little ahead, but I, I will, you know, obviously we talked about bosses a little bit, and I won't go through all the boss mechanics, but I'll, I'll just say that the bosses are interesting because they actually function a bit like MMO dungeon or raid bosses, where it's not just a, a, a damage sponge that hits really hard and looks cool. 
it is all of those things. It is a damage sponge. <laughs> right. It does it, hit it hard and it does look sponge. cool. Yeah, right. But it introduces interesting mechanics that the first boss is it's relatively simple. But by the second and third boss, I mean, the third boss, honestly, what, what, what got us through it was the other two players in our party <laughs> figured out the pattern mm-hmm. and then started actually playing the pattern appropriately right. so that they, they weren't getting killed anymore. And then the, the, the other two of us kind of were plinking away at it for almost no damage, but had extra gear and potions in our inventory <laughs> to keep those other two players alive until they figured out the mechanics. <laughs> yeah, but like super cool, for example, like your bow broke in that third fight. Right. And one of the other players, because again, there's not a, everyone can use a bow and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So one of the other players also had a bow on him, but he was primarily doing using a mace because this boss happened to be weak to, to crush damage. Um, so he drops his fully repaired bow that he hasn't yep. used for this fight at all, and you use it. I gave you all of my arrows because I right because I was also ran out of arrows. arrows. Yep. But then I had extra potions. So I was like, all right, quick trade. You take potions because you're in melee. I wasn't taking any damage because he was a very close range boss. Right. So I was able to kite and stay way out of the fight and use the bow. I wasn't adding much damage to the fight, but I was trying to keep aggro sometimes or, or run in if people needed to run out and just keep the damage on because I didn't know if it would despawn or what. I don't know. Like, right. I was trying to do something. <laughs> And I had I had recently switched. So there's there's three different damage physical damage types. There's melee, or excuse me, there's slash, crush, and thrust. And some creatures are normalized damage with all. Some of them are resistant to one type and vulnerable to another, and maybe neutral on the third. But either way, I had just switched to a piercing type melee weapon, and that was all I had brought with me because mm-hmm. I didn't think about the boss maybe being resistant to that, which right. it was, which is why the archer was terrible. Yep, I damage. was doing nothing. <laughs> So our other two teammates had had brought hammers with them, but one of them had just upgraded his hammer to a, like a new, not a, not just like a new upgrade of the same type, but a brand new type. Right. And hadn't taken his previous tier out of his bag. Mm. So he drops that and gives that to me. So now right. I could so use now that. Now you can do damage to it. Right. But just, like that's, that's super fun. Like that's not in an MMO. Right. Like, we were actually coordinating. All right. You get the aggro of the boss and run him away some, we'll trade gear real quick. <laughs> right. And like, okay, now he's taking a lot of damage. His poison, de- you know, resistance potion is wearing off. I have a couple extra. So like, Walker, you run back and s- switch places with him. Now that you dropped off your arrows, I'll give him the poison potion. I'll switch to, you gave me fire arrows. So my pierce damage wasn't doing anything, but fire was doing decent. Right. So as long as I waited three seconds between shooting each fire arrow for the fire to, to burn him, then I could kind of lay some damage in and then swap out potions or help buff the party in any way I could. Right. Yeah. But yeah, super, super interesting mechanics with the bosses. So I definitely encourage people to, to I mean, you can't not do those. That's kind of right. how you yeah, progress is, through the tech. It's a progression. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, even the regular enemies, especially early in a new zone, are rough. Or, God, there's so much we haven't covered. Or sailing through a biome that you don't need to go to yet. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, is that it is very much a sandbox game, and so there is no, there's no arbitrary invisible wall or mm-hmm. lock on where you can go. If you can manage to get there, you can be there. And what that means is that you can go that right now there's five biomes, I think, yeah. and they all kind of, you know, scale Progress. one to five, if you will, in difficulty. 
And yeah, we were definitely in Biome 2 quality gear. Yeah. And we're trying to sail somewhere reasonable. But on Which, the way... by the way, there's Viking sailing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the way, happened to pass by a biome we didn't know existed prior to then. Mm-hmm. That happens to be the level 5 biome. And two of us got one-shotted by a... Flying, a terrible flying monstrosity. It's, I have to just spoil Okay, that's this. fair. It's yeah, literally yeah. called a death skeeto. Which you guys didn't believe. And well, thought that I, I was joking, because it one-shot you. You didn't even get to see it. It wasn't even a matter of believe. I just thought that, like, it was just a silly name that you had just come right, up with exactly. to call it. Like, like oh, oh it's, it's the death skeeto. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, oh, man, I hate those things. And then when we finally made it back to get our gear... And I saw another one and moused over it, and it's actually called Deskito. <laughs> and I I won't do it here, but I, there was a string of curse words that emitted from me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it, it, super, super interesting, though. And just the sense of adventure because of things like that is mm-hmm. so much grander. Like, well, that, and was, that, that was, we were just, so we were sailing because we had unlocked the new sailing boat. So all four of us could get in it. And we were just looking f- to find an area to advance because we didn't have a big enough biome on our starter island to get what we needed to advance to the next tier of gear and just kind of sailing around and trying to map the world turned into like a two hour long adventure yeah. of trying to get you. Cause you guys, we died in a shallow enough river that your graves were there, Yeah, but we were in like the, the last tier biome. And so I, two of us survived and parked the ship and tried to get some kind of base built so that we could get a place to respawn at and get you guys possibly to like teleport to or something. And oh, did we even, I don't know if we had teleporters then. No, we didn't. We just had no. boats. Yeah. Yeah. So just get you guys a place that you could sail back to by going like a different direction. And then one of the, the one of our other players died. So it was just me when I finally got a respawn, a, a bed with a roof over it that I could respawn at. Right. And trying to get back to you guys' grave markers to get your inventory. Because we didn't know if it despawned, if there was a timer, like, if anything. So I'm trying to, like, sneak and shoot arrows, and I'm running out of supplies while you guys are at the base trying to build a second boat and and get back to get your stuff. Because it's... The bigger penalty in death is losing your gear. Like there is a death penalty, but ooh. I would so I would argue that was, I was actually going to bring the, the death up. So the yeah, the, the when you die, all your gear drops on a grave, and I think the grave never despawns. We've actually wikied and found out. Um, so that's one penalty of it, but the other penalty is an XP loss, which we've had difficulty confirming exactly how that works. Like you right. read something about it, like it's some random distribution of penalty. I'd read that it was a flat, but then the number of that Either was hard. Way. Either way, you lose experience, and it's some percentage of the experience that you lose, and you can de-level. Yeah. So it's not like if you're level 40, and I, it, we'll call it 10% again. I don't know what right. it is yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But, so that means if you're level 40 axe woodcutting skill and you die, you're going down to level 36. Mm-hmm. So the higher level you have of skills the more punishing death actually becomes. Um, Now, one cool mechanic they have, though, is that once you die, you get a buff that is no skill drain. Right. So that if you die subsequently, I don't know if it lasts five or ten minutes, something something like like that. that. But so that way, if you're trying to get your body back and you die again, 
you're not constantly, you're not just going to level back to there's also, <laughs> zero. There's also a grave running buff. Yeah. When you touch your grave, you all of your gear instantly teleports to your inventory to the same slots that yep. it was in previously, which is awesome. But you're not dressed in your armor and your stuff isn't equipped yet. But you get, like, I don't know, a 30-second or one-minute yeah. buff that, like, doubles your run speed. Yep. So you can touch your grave and run away from whatever <laughs> the thing is that was killing you so that you right. can equip your armor. Yeah. Which is, like, that's that's a that's a really unique thing that I haven't seen before. No, yeah, agreed, agreed. It's, uh, it, it's a situation where dying is inconvenient, but not, like... Uh, I don't know if I want to play anymore. I think it only would be if you, like, died in the middle of the ocean. Because currently there's not a diving mechanic right. to swim down. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if you lost all of your stuff, it would be dissatisfying if you couldn't get it back. But at least the way it's designed, largely, that's not the outcome. Right. Versus a game where, like, every time you die, you just lose, lose yeah. all of your stuff or whatever. Like, you know... Um, but again, it's yet again, it's like an interesting way where they weave in survival-esque mechanics, but then hedge them so that they're not something that I hate. Right. <laughs> well, and so, I, I mean, while we're kind of there, I have to say I love the sailing in this game. Now, yeah, it yeah, has let's... largely worked against us <laughs> on at least 70% of our adventures. The wind is directly headwind right. the whole time, right. both ways, so it didn't right. matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally uphill to school in the snow both ways. Yeah, exactly. It, that, that is sailing it's in Valheim. Exactly. But it's, it's something in between a Sea of Thieves and a normal video. Like, it's not just press W to go forward. You have to manage your sail and the wind direction and the direction mm-hmm. of your boat. But it's not like Sea of Thieves where one person has to be on pulleys, one person has to be doing this or that or the other. Right. So, yeah. I, I think it's a really... They struck, once again, it's all about balance. Yeah. No, it's just such an excellent, excellently balanced game. And you're right, with the sailing, I mean, you just described it, but, you know, one person sits down in, at the rudder, and then from there you can steer... You can you can change the the direction. Like if you want to try and back up, you can paddle backwards. You can go forward without the sail being down. And then there's I think three levels of the sail that you can raise and lower to to manage your speeds or whatever. And yeah, like it, it's something to think about when you're sailing. Like you actually have to pay attention a little bit, right? But it's not so demanding, like you said, like a sea of thieves where like you really have to spend you have to 10 calling seconds. out orders to people on the ship right but you also can't just walk away from it right because you can caps if depending on the wind speed and how you're facing you could capsize it's kind of hard to do if you're unless you are either trying to or not paying any attention at all yeah i think it probably gets easier in a storm because the water gets nuts in a storm The water gets really choppy and the wind speed's really high Yep. And yes, huge waves. I mean, I've seen some wave. We saw a wave one. It was like, is that a tsunami happening right now? That's crazy. We were taking boat damage by not (laughs) sailing into the waves, like sailing across them. Our boat would rock and we would take not a lot, but a little bit of damage. And God, we haven't even talked about repair at all. Yep. So, yeah, so the repair mechanic, and it works this way across the board, which is also something that I absolutely love. You can repair structures, whether it be a boat or your house or whatever. Um, you can repair your gear. And all of it 
it requires you to have like to repair structures of the boat. Um, you have to have your your crafting hammer, and then you have to have a workbench, which is the 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 tier one crafting station. You have to have a workbench within a radius of the item that you're trying to repair. But it takes no materials. It takes no time. You literally click it and it's done. Um, and, and so it's cool because it, it allows the game to have, you know, hit point health values for your structures and your boats and things and allows you to mitigate that by repairing it without making it something that is this enormous resource drain where now I have to go cut a forest down just to be sure that I can repair our boat every time we need to repair it, right? Um yeah, it just, again, it strikes that perfect balance. And then with gear, same thing. You go back to the crafting station, and some gear requires a certain type of crafting station, or some gear requires a type of, um, like, a certain tier of said crafting station. But whenever, but again, whenever you go to repair it, it's not consuming the materials. So it just, again, strikes this great balance between being able to to introduce or include what would be a traditional survival mechanic without the tedium that normally accompanies that. I mean, in some games you have to recreate the entire item and combine it <laughs> like in Minecraft to repair right. in some games, like in arc, you just basically have to have all the materials again that you used to create it the first time. So it's like every time I want a new ax, like, yeah, I'm repairing it, but I'm basically building a new right, one. Right, I might as well. Might. Or you have to build two or three to go with you because you know you don't have, you want to go on a long adventure. Let me build three axes to take on my way out here. Right. And But by requiring the crafting station, mm -hmm. it still puts a limiting factor so you can't just, you can't just sail on the boat and just repair it while you sail. Right. Right. Yeah. Like you, you have to pull over that way. and build the craft station. Right. Um, but yeah. I also just, love that just like, there are some items like as you upgrade them and as you get higher tier, your crafting station might have to be a higher level right. to repair. So you can't have just throw down the base level crafting station because the iron gear, the forge to throw it down, which is what you would use to repair your gear requires the workstation to be there and the forge. So you have to have the materials for both. Right. And sometimes it may require level two or level three just to repair which you build, get by building add-ons like an anvil or something next to it. Mm -hmm. So you may require two or three items to build a workstation of high enough tier to repair what you're looking for. So the further you get in the game, the harder it is to just drop down something and repair all everything that you have. Right. Yeah, and it, it it's also interesting the way that they structure the, the shelter requirements because in order to... Like, if you want to repair your boat or any building... You just have to be within radius of the workstation because you're not actually interacting with the workstation to do the repair. But to repair your gear, you're doing that at whatever the respective workstation is. Right. And so then it has to have it has to be sheltered in order to do that. So now you don't have to build an entire grand hall, but you have to build some sort of pop up structure around it to cover it so that it recognizes that it's in a building, if you will, and then you can use it. So again, it, it limits the ability to just quickly throw down a station anywhere and now repair all your stuff mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, the, I mean, we're getting to, I mean, we could talk for 10 hours about this. Probably. Yeah. I think we're getting to the, towards the end. I, I do want to mention that there's dungeons, which yep. is super cool. Uh, and they're not just like, 
a single room underground. Right. Like they're mazes. They're you little can kinda, mini labyrinths. Kind of get lost. A couple yeah. Times. Not so lost that you can't, you have to draw a map, but <laughs> right. also lost enough that you can go the wrong way a couple of times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's, I was really blown away when, cause you were the first one that found a dungeon. You're like, I just found a dungeon. Would have never expected that that would be there. Right. Um, and we didn't know what to do with it. We're like, are we the right level? Is this okay? Are we going right. to die? Right. But yeah, really, uh, you know, you mentioned this earlier when I, you know, I was talking about bosses and you were talking about how when it introduces new enemies in, in a new biome, but a pretty, honestly, diverse roster of enemies, mm-hmm. right? It's not it's not the gray skeleton in the meadows, and then when you go to the forest, it's the red skeleton, and then it's right. the blue one. Like, it's different creature types that fight differently and act differently and have different status effects, potentially, and all sorts of stuff. Um yeah, I don't know. Combat really satisfying. Sailing really satisfying. World map is gigantic. Yeah. Um, really excited to see the new biomes that they add because I think mm-hmm. they said they're going to add four or five more biomes. I don't know. Uh, I, I think one thing that I want to touch on, which I yeah. think is genius and really does change my how I looked at games. Oh, wow. Is that for all intents and purposes... Valheim is not PlayStation 1 Tomb Raider low poly, but a fair low, fairly low poly game with fairly, uh, cr- I don't want to call them crude, but like low res textures, like a lot closer to Minecraft while still being more than that without being Cyberpunk 2077 level <laughs> textures, right? right? But the biggest difference is that it does not look like that at all because the lighting engine in this game is incredible. Yeah, it is. Like I actually sat earlier, this was earlier today. I sat next to our campfire cause I was dirtling around and I, I wasn't doing anything important. I was planting some crops, getting ready for us to play later tonight or tomorrow or whatever. And I was just standing by the campfire. I think I was, you know, on lunch at work. So I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention to what we were doing. And I looked down and just looked at the campfire and stared at the pixels. And they're big enough that you can see, but small enough that there is variance in detail. But the campfire lighting danced around in a random pattern that adjusted not just the pixels around the campfire, but on all of the walls, all of the different structures that were next to it. Like, I think there was like a fermenter, like a beer barrel next to it. And there was random variances of light that were not in a looping pattern they were and they were like almost raycasted there were shadows there were little pinpricks of light and i think it's so incredible that they balanced even their engine to the point where (laughs) one of our friends plays on a really old pc and is able to run the game not amazingly but well enough to play for a Mm -hmm. new game and on my pc more often than not, I don't realize that the textures are on what would be quote-unquote the lower quality of scale compared to like a Cyberpunk or something else or a Doom where there's 60 gigs of textures. But the lighting engine is so incredibly powerful that you don't notice the pixels ever unless you're really looking for them. Yeah, I mean, for example, you know, the, the thing that I think of in relation to, to what you're talking about is, is for me, it's the trees, mm-hmm. because if you go up to a tree and zoom in and look at the branch, 
it's 2D. Yeah. Like it's like it's just a flat thing with a leaf texture on it. Like it's not good. But I very rarely spend any time zooming in on tree branches. Right. And so instead, when I go out and look out on the forest, it looks great. Like it looks well, every tree is shadow is rendered right. with holes between the leaves so yep. light and light rays cast through the the forest floor. Yep. And the lighting reflects off of different surfaces. So the area underneath the fallen log will be more darkly shadowed than the shadowy ground of the rest of the forest. Mm -hmm. It's so, it just goes to show in my mind that a lighting engine is so much more powerful than a high texture. Like doom is high textures, but the light sourcing in it really is kind of universal light source, like type stuff. There's some independent light sources and I'm probably not crediting their lighting engine enough, but a lot of it is the texture quality. But in this, the texture quality is is on the lower end of what would you would think it was because the lighting engine is that much better. It's just, it's mind-boggling how much of a difference that makes when light is dynamic and torches don't just provide a static radius lighting. They add variance, and the fires dance around, and that dan- the shadows will move back and forth depending on where the fire is. Like, it's just blows my mind how amazing the game can look on even lower and mid end PCs. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Um, it it's visually really always always satisfying. I'm never I never I've never sat and thought like, oh, that is really hideous to look at or. Yeah, this like never. I'm always completely, completely into it, and um, agree with you that it's impressive how much ground they can cover, really, with just the lighting engine. Um, and I also, you know, tied to the aesthetic, I guess, if you will, I appreciate that the UI is largely minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point, there's not a hot bar of 200 abilities or something. So, you know, you've got a toolbar up at the top. You've got a mini map. And then you've got like your health and stamina beater in the corner, but largely the screen real estate is the world. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not a bunch of UI windows and boxes and and even honestly, even when you try and open the different menus, there's not that many menus. Right. Like there's there's not a hundred different screens to click on, um, like you, to see your status effects and stuff. There's one window to open for that, and they're just in a list there. You know, it's it's all very. I don't know if minimalist is the right word, but. Um, but I really appreciate the, the execution of the UI, which, right. again, I wouldn't have thought would be such a big deal until No Man's Sky. <laughs> I which only I will wish... always say that. <laughs> yeah, ever, forever. Agreed, 100%. Because that's thing, why I stopped playing. <laughs> the only thing that I wish would have been a glittery, shiny button with arrows pointing to it was shield decorations. Right, right. Because, so there, you can pick different-looking shields, and maybe this is obvious to some people. It, all of us missed it. For like three tiers of gear, (laughs) what like 60 hours of gameplay each minimum was that underneath the name of a shield, when you go to craft it, there's a button that says style. Right. And you can craft different looking pieces of gear. Yeah, I'm really excited to see if they if they implement that for other gear types going forward. I bet they do. I think they do, too. And there's a lot of things that looks like that they're pointing in a direction they want to go without adopting that universally. Right. Like the suit of armor that I got gives you a set bonus right. to stealth. 
And that's not something that there's you there's a universal thing where not every it's not like a Terraria where if you have all iron gear you get this set bonus and all bronze gear is this set bonus. It's the only time I've seen yeah, set it's bonus. the so far the only which I have been die hard on troll hide or die like and I have died, um, <laughs> but I don't think any more or less than anybody else because I've been largely outside of melee combat. <laughs> <laughs> well. It also just depends on who you're talking about because, like, our the, the other two have spent probably the most time in combat. I mean, I've spent a fair amount of time in combat, but and I've died there plenty as well. But my deaths come from, like, I stood on the cooking fire until I burned to death. Or I, instead of going out the gate of our base because I didn't want to walk all the way over there, I climbed up to the guard tower in our base and then jumped over the wall. But I hadn't eaten yet, so I still have 25 health. And the fall damage from that particular fall is 27 damage. Yep. So I die right in front of the base <laughs> from nothing. And lose um, five for five, ten percent all your skills. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. You, uh, you guys' skills is all are all so much higher than mine because I have so many. Dumb, I've noticed that you deaths. stopped. We we were calling out our respective skills every time we leveled up for a long time. Yep. Now those callouts have ceased from you. <laughs> right. That's because everyone else is legitimately twenty to thirty levels higher in a lot of places than I am. Oh. Well, it's also that you guys have all spent a lot of time too like well you and nick specifically have spent a lot of time just working on a base right so you've just went out and cut trees and then just come back and built and then went and caught more trees i haven't really spent any time single player so well and i've also focused like i have i switched to that hammer after that boss and my blunt skill is like six right but my archery is like 50 because as soon as there was a bow that was it that's what I played. And, but I don't have, you like played with a pole arm, played with a mace, oh, yeah, I've played with done everything. everything. Except sword. Nobody's touched a sword yet. Honestly, it's just because the crafting materials right. we don't have. We don't want to use the lower tier material because we know that the next tier sword is there. Right. But so, we, but with the next tier costs so much that we haven't made it yet. Yeah, we just don't have an abundance of the highest tier resource to make it with, and everyone has other priorities. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it's it's exactly what I've described before when I talked about my problem with MMOs where I'm like, well, I want to play the mage, but then I want to play the rogue and then I want to play the paladin because I don't know how it will play. And what if one is way more fun, but then I have 10 alts and none of them are max level or whatever. And that's exactly what you've seen on display here where it's mm-hmm. like, I love archery and bows in yep. games. I mean, I came over to your house and we played the VR archery game. Right. And I, that was my favorite thing that mm-hmm. I did. But I want to see what it's like to do well, the yeah, mace, and I sure. want to see what it's like to do with a pole arm, and I, you know, like. Uh, but you're right; it is definitely led to jack of all trades, master of none situation. Well, and I think for that's me. awesome though, because that means you can switch out during a boss. Like, even yeah. if I do switch out to the the crush weapon for the boss, I'm probably doing as much damage as I was with my bow, <laughs> right. just because my bow skill is so much higher and my blunt skill is so much lower. Like, right. But it's it's also cool that there's not a cap, so. While that's true for you now, if you play another 100 hours, right. you could level that blunt. And now mm-hmm. you have blunt and bow that are max, right? There's no li- there's no arbitrary limit on a pool of skill points that you have to now right. figure out how to allocate. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Valheim is is super cool. It's it's definitely the, the, um, the survival game experience that I have wanted 
for a very long time mm-hmm. and didn't think I was finding. I mean, I, I obviously I was willing to try it. It was so popular. I thought it looked cool or whatever, but I didn't think it was going to be nearly as, as great as it's been. Well, and I'm just like, so I was a big fan of like the show Vikings. Like I enjoy Viking lore. Um, whilst I'm not very historically well read on it, I, I enjoy finding bits of lore. And if there's something, a story pops up in my timeline talking about Vikings, I'm probably going to read it. Yeah. And it, again, everything is so balanced. They strike a balance between the feeling of like hist- history and lore in the shape and style of boats and gear and even the combat styles mm-hmm. while also having enough fantasy and video game there that it's intriguing on and they're able to tell their own tale without just telling some, you know, step for step historical retelling of something. Right, right. Um so I, I guess, do you have anything else you want to cover? I ha- we, we still have to answer our final question. Right, yeah. I but mean, do you have anything else you want to cover before we go there? I guess in the same vein, it, the the default sound and music, incredible. Everything yeah. from the ambience in a forest to the intense Viking drums and chants of a boss battle. Yeah. All incredible. It kind of doesn't get repetitive. Because it shifts and changes, yeah. Um, but also, and it's not obnoxious. Yeah, right? it is like not it's... obnoxious. It's it's the only thing that was somewhat like uh, my only two griefs with the game. One, I think they'll solve pretty soon. The other one, we all kind of got over real quick. The default volume for the game was ridiculously high for all of us. <laughs> yeah. So all of us were like, "Is your Discord low?" And we're right. like, "No, the game volume you need to set to about twenty percent." <laughs> right. Um, but oh, past that, it's great. Um, and then really just like there needs to be some items you do get infinite of that you won't use. And right. Yes. So like some kind of garbage collection or recycling or just and they stay in the world a long time. They do eventually despawn. But if you just throw them out in the world, they could be there for an hour or more, and somebody else will likely run over them and pick them up and bring them right back to the base. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's not a way there's not a way to delete items at all. Um, and there are some items, especially like different trophies that you get, mm-hmm. that when I first got one, I was like, oh, cool, a trophy that's like rare. Right. Incorrect. Not rare. After 60 um, hours, 20, <laughs> 40 boarhead trophies with another 30 posted in a line on the wall. Right. Like, Okay, we need to just delete these. Like, or right. let me recycle them for one leather or something. Like, yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. I, I think that I agree with you. I think they will solve that sometime in the near term. Um, and that would probably be my only mm-hmm. really significant complaint with the game as well. Everything else about it is, is yeah, really well it's done. Phenom- and the difficulty scaling is by number of players. So yeah. it is great as a single player game. Yeah. It's amazing. It's great as a building game. There's a, like, at first the snap mechanics seem like it may limit you. There's actually a lot you can do with the snap mechanics that are, it's not obvious at first. Right. But there's enough flexibility in a lot of the way the game plays. There's enough flexibility that it feels like you get to own what you're doing while also that thing being useful and applicable and look good and act right. So that you can't screw it up too much out of ignorance. Right, right. Yeah, actually, one other thing I do want to touch on before we we wrap up would be 
Um, just that it natively supports up to 10 players, multiplayer. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty, pretty cool. So there, there is PVP damage in the game, but it, it's something you can toggle on or off. And, and like I, some people I read have been using it to, to just include friendly fire, basically. But either way, the, the point just being that the game is designed as a co-op game, mm -hmm. right? Like, and so something like Ark or Rust or DayZ or a lot of these other survival games are designed as PVP games. Right. And have PVE modes, but a lot of the game is balanced and built around the idea that you're competing with other players. And I really appreciate that Valheim is not that at its core. Right. Like, it's fine that it's there, and I don't even care if they add more PvP features later for players that are interested in that. Right. That's great. But I, I'm glad that, that at its core, it's it's designed for people to play together and cooperate. Because um, well, for me, like, that's I how mean, I like survival games. There, There is some concession made for that, where with things even like if you're sneaking, where you're like crouched moving, it costs you stamina to use and to keep that maintained. But as long as you're sneaking, your name tag goes away. So you kind of are more invisible. Right. And, and it, it makes it harder for you to be noticed by other players that are just kind of running past an area. Right. So, I mean, there's some concessions there for it. We've not been running a dedicated server or anything special. We've been running four players off of one of us hosting the game. And there's been little hitches here and there, probably internet more than anything. But it's not it's not so demanding that you have to like start up a dedicated server on your pc or some external app or anything like that you just click start server and it does it there's not been any i haven't run an external app to set up or anything yeah no absolutely um yeah everything about it is just appropriately simple right like the game all of it like the way the sailing works the way the building works the way the combat works crafting gear cooking all of it like it's and the reason i say appropriately simple is because it's not simple just for the sake of being simple or in a way that's not fun but it's appropriately simple because it doesn't venture into tedium even to your point is it was something like setting up a server <laughs> to play mm -hmm. on um so yeah so I'll, I'll 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 let you go first but you know obviously we've just talked about this for nearly two hours why does Valheim matter to you, though? What about this speaks to why gaming matters when it comes to Valheim? I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder because no. it, it was something that you brought to light, which is that, and we talked about this before a little bit earlier, is that this really does learn from the lessons of 10 years of survival genre. And I wouldn't say that it fixes everything about survival games no. ever, but I think it fixes so much of it and proves that there are so many things that can be done differently that can make a game like this be an incredible experience. I think it's a much more adventure-focused experience where mm -hmm. whether it's because there are bosses or just the scaling biomes, like you're when you're planning on an adventure and gearing for it and trying to go run it, it really feels like an adventure. Chaotic things happen. We've seen 
enemies fighting each other, not all of the monsters are friendly with each other. Mm-hmm. So they'll fight each other sometimes, and we can just be sailing by as a troll it takes a tr- an entire tree and hammers a skeleton out of existence. Mm-hmm. And we just sail quietly by because we're Vikings and we don't need to mess with that right now. That's not our job. Like, it, it it's so immersive. It's, it's such a new a new look at an established genre in the way that I think that, you know, genres have always been challenged in the past and there's always those key defining games. I feel like this is the final, like not the final version, but finally a stair step from Minecraft where this is going a stage beyond into something new to show that there's a new way to do it. Combining elements of games like uh, the the oh god why did I just forget what it's called the latest Zelda game Breath of the Wild Breath of the Wild it's a Breath of the Wild meets a Minecraft like combining those types of elements together to build something new and show that a voxel game doesn't have to have infinite dig depth because it doesn't but it has enough that you can use it there is voxel manipulation but you're not stacking cubes in your inventory or dirt that you shoot out of a magic gun or something like it. It's, it's a blending of genres done in such a, a fine balance that I think that's so for me, probably the biggest takeaway. And the second takeaway is that a, in, in the way that newer indie games, like, which we haven't even talked about yet, but like dead cells took pixelated artwork and pixelated animation and made them incredible and did incredible things with them. I think Valheim is doing that for 3D games by using lighting in a new way and leveraging lower by leveraging lower end PCs to be able to still get an incredible experience by just playing with light and shadow in a new and different way that I think a lot of games could learn from that style of visual presentation to really see what they can to, to push their limits without pushing their hard drive space in just, you know, 4k texture packs for 80 gigs. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what you've just described to some extent is, and I think it's really interesting is it's, it's almost like through what they've done is they've somehow managed to innovate through imitating because yeah. it it imitates so many other games. It imitates Skyrim. It imitates uh, EverQuest in some ways. It imitates Ark. It imitates Minecraft. It imitates all these other things. And yet, at the same time, it's actually innovating on all of them with what it is. Right. Um, and that's just a really, yeah. It's a, And it's not just in one area, right? It's not like... No, it's across the board. Right. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not the level of... It's not like a Blizzard level or a Clay level polish across the board. Right. But it is, instead of where something like a Blizzard or a Clay innovates in a very hyper-specific area mm-hmm. and then polishes the overall game... They have innovated in every area, but that kind of ends up being their polish. Right. And has created a game that is wholly unique, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, that, that while being an imitator is actually an innovator. Well, because and how many Viking there's... games are there really? Not <laughs> <Right>. enough. Like <laughs> if this were set in a standard generic fantasy world, it would still be awesome. Yeah. But the Viking aesthetic is just, mwah, is great. 
I will say, and I, I said this when we were playing the other day, I wish that Ark was Valheim. And what I mean by that is, like, I love all the dinosaurs and the jungle and all that stuff in Ark, but I don't want it to play like Ark. I want it to play... Right, you want it to play like Valheim. I, I basically just... Or maybe just Ark biomes in Valheim is all I really want. Right. Like, I don't really care about anything from Ark except the dinosaurs and the way that that works is cool, or at least parts of it. But anyway, um, for me, you know, I would say as far as why gaming matters or why Valheim has mattered to me. Um, it's what I spoke to at the very beginning of our conversation, which is that it, for me, it's, it's, it's the dragon that I'm always chasing, mm -hmm. right? It's the, and not to, to relate this to, <laughs> to drug use or something like that, but just, it is that, that thing that I am seeking that I don't know how to find really, other than to just try things and hope. <laughs> and most of the time I'm wrong, which is why I have, tons of games that I don't play and have never even installed. But sometimes it's like this and it just hits. And especially when it can hit with, with a group of friends like it has. And we're, mm. and it's not like I love it. And you guys are like middling on it. Like no, all we of all us. Love it. And everybody can love it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And when we get together, there's times when all of us are together, we're all doing our own thing. I'm farming, somebody's building, somebody's hunting, somebody's trying to advance the next tier, soloing right. monsters that are at four-player level health on their own. And then there's other times where we're like, yeah, let's all get together and go crush something. Right. But yeah, it's just been it's just been a, a, a you know the, the the social aspect that games can provide. I, I think it's I think it's the reason that I that I do love gaming as a social outlet so much is because if you know how to run a keyboard and mouse and you've got the, a computer that can play it, which <laughs> like you said earlier, one of us is playing on a potato. Um, that's all that's required, you know, in the 20 bucks to buy the game, I guess to, to, to jump into this crazy adventure. Whereas like if we all wanted to go play basketball together, like there's so many factors that have to go in. Like all of us have to be in good enough shape to play basketball. All of us have to know enough about how to play it to do it well enough that it's actually enjoyable or golf or anything, you know, any other, but with gaming, like you can go on, you can see such a variety of experiences and landscapes. And I mean, outside of even the things the game offers, the problems that we solve together. I mean, we're solving problems of logistics. We're solving problems of inventory management and that kind of thing. And then we're also solving in some cases, interpersonal problems where people get mad at each other or people get irritated with each other. And like, it's all of these things all bottled into this experience. And yeah, I just, I just love it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 we started off all building our own houses and all building our own workbenches and all trying to advance to the next level and realize like there's, that's just too much. Let's pool our resources together and build a community house and advances one and not have to rebuild each workstation four times. Like to some extent that was, that was a little bit of my fault because I just thought that's how the game worked. I thought we all had, because like we described with crafting, right, the yeah. way you discover is to obtain it. So I thought if I want to craft the level two workbench items, I have to have made a level two workbench. Right. That's not actually true. Yeah, it turns out I could make it. I could make the level two workbench item, pass it to you. And now you get all the same things that I got. Cause you touched it. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I just, I love the, the, the social experience it's provided. And obviously I think it's a, a great game on its face in that way. But um, this is, as as much as 
I feel like I've had such a great run here recently. I mean, like Risk of Rain blew me away. Mm-hmm. Hades blew me away. And now we have this and it's just like, I, you know, as, as far as like why gaming matters, like I've been getting that box checked a lot lately yeah. and it's awesome. <laughs> so uh, as much as 2020 sucked, Keep it going with these good games, please. Because yes. yeah, I'm maybe we that. need more coders stuck inside <laughs> writing code for longer periods of time. Maybe you know. Wow, I I, I also that, got Doom but... Eternal in the last yeah. calendar twelve it's months. It's been like... it's been a wild ride lately. Yeah, that's awesome. There's there's some new VR experiences that I've had that I want to talk yeah. about soon, and it's actually been difficult. Like between lunch breaks and time at night, like help playing on a server with everybody else. Cause you know, you want to play with everybody, but I've actually had fun enough experiences that it's like, and that's, I guess in attributing to these other games that I'm playing, they're fun enough that I want, to, I have to like decide, am I going to play Valheim? Am I going to squeeze in like 10, 15 minutes on this other game? Cause I really think it's amazing. Like I want to experience more of it, but I can't, not play on the server like and so that's the kind of like i'm having to choose between amazing games and god if that's my problem then i'm i'm okay with that like yeah that's, then we're pick up your sticks heaven right, right. <laughs> speaking of which very cl- close to final thoughts here uh we are playing on the capital p-u-y-s lowercase pod seed for yeah. valheim yep that's uh, true so insight into that seed all of the first four biomes are on the central content and continent in at least some way death skeetos are not <laughs> right um and the and the the middle like main continent that you start on is pretty i've seen some that have tiny islands all over where you're rafting everywhere our starter continent's pretty big uh resources are not so closely piled up that you're just instantly you know, top tier or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not so sparse that you're not going to, that you have to be everywhere. I think it's a really fun seed. Uh, capital P-U-Y-S, lowercase pod, all one word is yeah. the seed that we're playing on. So if you want to play on the same uh, style of server, the same seed of the server that we're playing on, that's where we're at. And it's a, it's a good start. Like, I think it's a pretty solid start. The main continent yeah. is pretty big, but there's also it does still force you to adventure out of it as you get up into the later tiers, which is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be able to get through the first few tiers without being overwhelmed. And then as I progressed, I wanted it to force me to take some actual trips and adventures out into the world. And that's exactly what it's done. Yep. Absolutely. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash P-U-Y-S pod, or Hey, just tell a friend about us because that's what really makes a difference. All of the links to our social accounts are available in the show notes. And if you want to hear more from either of us on topics outside of gaming, Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various amazing guests. And my podcast, Dungeons and Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought. Music.